0: We want the dynamite from the post-wrestling site you,
1: lighting up the fuse Sit back and enjoy the bubbly As we hear from John and Wei Ting Where we're going, we don't need roads
0: And if the bug stops, here, yeah, this thing might blow Everything you hear are opinions of the show And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know
1: Hello, everybody, and we are live with Rewinded Dynamite here on this Tuesday night edition of the show. I am John Pollock, joined as always by Wei Ting, where we are going to be going through tonight's edition of Dynamite that is going to largely center on the last 10 minutes of the show, which unfortunately saw a premature ending to the main event between John Moxley and Hangman Page, where Hangman Page took a pretty hard lariat and just like inside out lariat and came down at like an awkward angle. But in watching it back, it's really hard to get a, a sense of, um, what exactly, uh, occurred. But, um, you know, you could see like he was just laying there, uh, motionless, making the signal to Paul Turner, who you could just see alert, uh, Doc Sampson at ringside who is in there checking on him. And it becomes evident very quickly that this is not, um, this is not some kind of a of an idea for a finish. This is, in fact, um, an injury that has been sustained and the match is waved off. There is about 10 minutes left in the broadcast and obviously they had an angle planned with MJF. So it's unknown what kind of improvisation they had to do to get to um, the announcement of Moxley and MJF that obviously they wanted to go off the air with. But uh, number one is hoping for uh, that this is not... Uh, as serious as it came off on television because it seemed pretty serious. They were not shooting hangman page while they were tending to him, but they had to loosen the bottom rope and take him out. It looked like there was a stretcher out there that they alluded to, but none of this was shown on the broadcast. They just stayed on the announcers, a very scary scene way among, you know, the, you know, the, the kind of uh, moment on a wrestling show that sadly we've, we've had a few of them uh, that you have seen in real time. And this was, definitely leaving people very concerned after the broadcast and we're just minutes removed from it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are recording this like minutes after the show ends. So I'm hoping by the time most people listen to this, there is something a bit more definitive about it because what we're kind of left with right now with, with, you know, how that injury might've looked and, and just the abrupt uh, ending of the match it, it could be anything from you know something like a separated shoulder to something you know involving the spine we we don't really know enough information at this point in time um, so I'm hoping we get that and I'm certainly hoping that you know it is something that's not serious um, but you know your immediate first thought goes goes to the worst unfortunately like when it comes to you know injuries involving like the the, the top uh, the upper part part of the body and you um, God, it would be just incredibly tragic. So um, I, I certainly hope he's okay. And, uh, you know, they, they of course, had to, you know, scramble to try to come up with a, a way to conclude the show that they intended to with, with the MJF thing. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it creatively, of course, but, of course, uh, beyond anything fictitious, we're, we're hoping um, the participant uh, injured here is okay.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, it's it's something that I think should be brought up because you and you and I have brought it up in other cases where it's not been uh, the result, and that is when an injury occurs. And well, we've got to get to the finish. And I'm sure in the, there would be situations where even something serious like that. Okay, Moxley just rolls him up and could do unknown further damage too. like the right call was made just wave the match off the finish does not matter like that is so secondary and i am glad that that was the default call here and there was not any sort of you know that mentality of well it's it's a big match we've got to finish finish the match we've got our live te- television show to think about first it's no you have a an injured human in the ring that is your one and only priority
0: we're way beyond that. I certainly hope, you know. Well, you,
1: you would think so way. But I mean, we've seen we've seen concussed individuals continue in matches. We have seen very serious injuries where I mean, a very famous one with like Steve Austin and Owen Hart. And we still have to ha- have a finish with a, a roll up. You know what I mean? Like it's um I and granted that's that's an older reference, but it's that mentality still exists where you get to the finish of a match at all costs. I'm very glad that that did not uh, appear to enter anyone's mind here.
0: You will get no complaint from any member of the audience for this match stopping when it did in fact I think you'll 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 probably see more praise than anything um We are all well aware about you know this being what you know wrestling be a fictitious scripted program and um man's health is is far more important than any sort of entertainment that a scripted program can pro- provide so this should be the norm and I'm, I'm glad to see that it was tonight.
1: So this, this injury only occurred about, you know, under 25 minutes ago. So we are, we are unlikely to have any kind of update uh, unless one comes down over the next hour uh, that we are discussing this, but we'll obviously be monitoring that and um, keep it locked on the website. Of course, if there are uh, any updates to come out, we are wishing the best for hangman page. It was uh, very unfortunate and, and hopefully uh, we have, we have good news at the end of this story. So we'll move on from that and uh, just talk about uh, a couple of the news items from today before we will talk about Dynamite itself on Tuesday, uh, which did avoid any issues from the uh, the baseball game, which ended at about 7.10 p.m. So there was uh, plenty of time before Dynamite. I don't know if it will play any kind of factor on Dynamite. I mean, there was the theory that you, you could have this large audience that has just watched a baseball game. But, you know, with 50 minutes between Dynamite, I, I don't know if it'll have any any big impact um any impact at all really on on dynamite it's more so the dynamite audience finding the show a night earlier uh but AEW had some big news to release on tuesday and that is a contract extension for chris jericho who has now signed a three-year extension through the end of 2025 the deal he was on uh Prior to this one, uh was going to expire right at the beginning of 2024. So he has signed on. Uh, this will go through the end of 2025 uh, when Chris will be 55 years old by that time. And I think that this it it really does tell you the I think very much the same mentality of John Moxley that the idea of. Jericho riding out his contract and having that lingering doubt for a year of will he stay will he go uh Jericho did not want to have any of that even though that might have been best for his uh bargaining position like he wanted to uh sign on for more more time he's also going to be taking on uh, additional roles with the company as a creative advisor and producer so adding that similar to the the John Moxley uh uh, duties on his contract as well. So it's it's more so just notable the fact that, that Jericho for for many talents like looking at at that time frame, you know, you ride out your deal and then you try to bid up your price, but he is he is staying put with AEW where, you know, he will be in his mid 50s by the time this deal is up.
0: Does it prevent them from being able to negotiate like if they were to if they signed on at at, at this moment like um like, does it prevent any sort of bargaining, um, you know, with, with um, competitor?
1: I mean, when you're under contract, you're, I mean, that is, um, you know, it's uh, not to say it doesn't uh, happen, um, but it is, it is something that is, I guess, uh, discouraged. Uh, hmm, okay. When you are under contract,
0: I, I mean, I, I would just suspect that like he, he, uh, Chris Jericho is probably at least like doing what he can to you know negotiate the the, the fair market value for somebody of his abilities, um, and yeah, it, it's AEW is a great place for him at the moment. Certainly, um, obviously, he is of, of a much higher stock than he was when he um, initially left the WWE. But nonetheless, I, with the with the way that company is going, I don't necessarily see. A role of a higher, a similar caliber for Chris Jericho if he were to to, to enter. Uh, but for AEW, he provides tremendous value. Not only is he still at this point three years later, I think one of the top stars with the biggest mainstream mainstream name. He's providing an incredible incredible leadership role for the people in the back. Incredible knowledge. Incredible ability to elevate talent you know via his two factions he, two factions full of people now that he's managed to elevate not to mention ring of honor you know he he is now the, the, the arguably the, the biggest tool that they had to um improve and and get that brand uh, a potential TV spot
1: well and it's also the timing of it you know signing now versus you know when his deal was going to be up which again was early 2024. By the time that period would occur, these new television contracts would be – probably set by then i mean they wouldn't uh, the current deals wouldn't have expired yet but the new terms would have likely been negotiated so you would be talking at a position where these companies would probably have more revenue than ever to go after talent and i am sure a you know uh, snatching a chris jericho away from aew um i'm sure wwe would put a very high price tag on on that ability to take a jericho away and um who is to say where uh, a Jericho will be at 55? I would I would imagine this could very well be his last um, regular performer contract um, at, at this Chris point.
0: Jericho at 55 will be like most people at 35. I bet, you know, he, he might even be in better shape at 55 than he is now. He like could it, be. This is uh, you can argue like this might have been the best year for him to negotiate just given his body of work and the incredible physical shape he seems to be in.
1: Well, more than that, it it tells me that if, you know, when this company started and you had your EVPs in place, it seems with Tony Khan at present, his his main pillars are Jericho, Moxley, and Danielson. I think those Mm -hmm. are the three guys, and he has just inked two of them up, and he's got Danielson under, you know, he's year one of, uh, I believe, a three-year deal. So he's got those three for multiple years uh, for... Um, you know, as kind of the that core, and I, I think he very much values them as, and that's very evident in the contracts. These are not just simply wrestler contracts; they come with uh, added responsibilities. Like they are the leaders of this company uh, from Seems a wrestler like standpoint.
0: Yeah, in Jericho's case, I mean, the, the, you know, the role of producer and creative advisor. I, I I I wonder if it it simply formalizes roles that he probably has taken on informally anyway within sure. the company. Um, but you know, I.
1: It might. It's also would be very interesting to note. It like does do these contracts constitute them as employees as well?
0: Right. Given, right. Given these these roles. Well, yeah. Do Do we know like exactly what type of contract Jericho had even prior to to this one? You know, like did, did he have any further role beyond just being talent with AEW?
1: Well, I mean, he was one right at the beginning who stated he did not want to be uh, an EVP or anything like mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, he had he had signed initially and then signed a, a new deal that was the one that took him to 2024. So, I, I don't know necessarily if that entailed anything above and beyond the the first deal that that he signed. So, this would technically be deal number three he's signed with AEW. So, mm-hmm. it's it, you know it's a it's a very stable signing for AEW to be able to get a guy that. Listen, he, I I think anyone that would be, you know, uh, a value to WWE, but even more so uh, a big player to take away from AEW, you're in a very advantageous position. And Jericho and Moxley have now very much publicly stated their loyalty to this company when they could have played both sides and probably gotten incredible, incredible offers from WWE and are opting not to and extending their time with AEW. Like Moxie will be 40 by the time his deal is up Jericho 55. Like they are committing for many, many years when, you know, the, the game for a lot of these guys, like the MJF is the, the opposite. It's, you know, short-term deals and just drive up your, your, your bidding war, uh, between these two companies for, for your talents. Mm-hmm. So that is the Chris Jericho news, um, ring of honor. Um, A bit of news coming out of tonight's show. They announced that Final Battle is going to take place on Saturday, December 10th in Arlington, Texas... And it is going to be an afternoon show at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Central. So they will, uh, they noted on the broadcast that there is no college football that it will contend with. It will also avoid going head to head with the UFC pay per view that night. So uh, Ring of Honor will have the afternoon uh, to itself on pay per view. And Tony Khan did an interview with SI.com and in it uh, spoke about their plans here to have another pay-per-view this year and the hope of having a weekly show in 2023 so it looks like we are we are punting on a, a tv show until at least next year i don't think anyone was expecting by the time it's october now that ring of honor would be launching on tv anytime soon but uh we will see that's that's the great unknown is the television situation and um You know, it it would seem like this final battle show, given that you would think Chris Jericho holds this title until at least then, uh, could be the most successful Ring of Honor pay-per-view they've they've ever put on in the company's entire 20-year history, if you have the right matchup
0: agreed yeah i mean at this stage i think with the increased presence of ring of honor with i think tony Khan perhaps um making a bigger effort putting the titles and on on, on bigger names and getting bigger names onto the show i can't necessarily see like buy rates going down um i think the goal is always is is always likely to you know try to get ring of honor pay-per-view buy rates up to a similar level to aews and um I I I I feel like you you still see a a lot of potential for exponential growth for for Ring of Honor the the bigger presence it has on TV.
1: Yeah, I think if you did, like if it's a Jericho Samoa Joe or Jericho against whatever your former ROH champ is, I think you know Samoa Joe is the the one face that they attached to the final battle graphic. It would seem like Jericho and Joe, that's a big main event for ROH. And then you couple it with FTR defending against, um, whatever team it is. They could get a rematch with FTR and Aussie open on that show. Did you get to see that over Ooh, the weekend?
0: I have not. No, but that is a wonderful idea for a rematch. Yeah.
1: That match was stellar. It was incredible. Um, I, I had a lot of downtime this weekend. <laughs> I
0: watched yeah. a lot of pro wrestling this weekend, including uh, FTR and Aussie. Open. Do you care to at least tell us where it ranks amongst your top of the year thus far?
1: Um, I would put it among the top matches of the year, not just tag matches of the year. I, I think when, when it comes to FTR, it's the two Briscoes matches, the young bucks match that they had on TV um, and this one. And I think, I don't want to be guilty of recency bias, but I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of support for this Aussie Open match as the best of all of them. And that's some very high praise because you can, you can make arguments for all of these tag matches. I, I think those were four incredible, incredible tag matches that they have had this year. And others that you could mix in there, but those are the big four uh, that come to mind. I just thought this match was um, damn near perfect. Like, it was really incredible. The closing sequence is just... Uh, perfection.
0: It's about the best match you could. Well, really the best match you could hope for on any card, but especially on a show that is, you know, delayed by several weeks from airing on broadcast. I mean, talk, we, I didn't think we'd be talking about Royal quest, you know, a couple of weeks later, but here we are.
1: And uh, Will Ospreay's uh, match recommendation. He called it the best tag match he had ever seen. So maybe that, that went All a right. long way. So mm-hmm. he was, he was ringside for it. So he got a, he got a front row seat for this match. Uh, Let's uh, continue on here with – we'll we'll, we'll talk quickly about this uh, article in The Wrap. They uh, spoke to uh, Paul Levesque about the whole campaign behind Bray Wyatt and bringing him back and uh, going through, like, the success that they found with it. And they noted, like, the rating on September 23rd for SmackDown, and Extreme Rules had a 30% increase in total viewership year over year and became the most watched Extreme Rules – in history, uh, which is you know basically we are comparing it to the last two years where it got onto Peacock, where now these shows are uh, like actually secondary. one year, one year uh, that they that Extreme Rules was on Peacock last year and then this year, so oh, that would okay. be the fairest comparison.
0: So it beat the 2021 edition of Extreme Rules, right? <laughs>
1: I mean, that's the most fair comparison because of course it's going to be more watched on this platform than it was on the WWE network or when it was yeah. a standalone pay per view. Um, but nonetheless, it, it, it was up this year. So that, that is accurate. And I think everyone would agree this had a, a lot more interest this year than a uh, Roman Reigns against uh, the demon Finn Balor last year. So, uh, Paul Levesque was quoted in this article as stating, we asked ourselves how we could bring Back Bray Wyatt in the most engaging way possible. So, we created the White Rabbit Project, intended to lead our audience down this literal rabbit hole of content to help build anticipation for Wyatt's return at Extreme Rules on Peacock. It started with flickering lights in arenas and continued with the release of other Easter eggs, like hidden QR codes within episodes of SmackDown and Raw, that led viewers to more clues that kept them guessing and tuning in each week. It culminated in what we believe was a massive payoff for our fans and for WWE. And they stated that the so, the creative strategy paid off in terms of social engagement to running against the Major League Baseball playoffs. Extreme Rules was Saturday's most social program on October the 10th, while the the event generated 2.7 million social media interactions in air.
0: Okay, wow. It makes it so so much less cool when when you're describing it. As yeah, like, tell us
1: about this content. Play.
0: Social interactions and... Yeah, all these things, but no, hey, listen, I mean, like, I, I think he's right to be incredibly proud of this. You know, um, again, we asked the question of like whether or not a campaign like like this would have occurred under Vince McMahon. How involved we you know this, this Rob Fee obviously, you know, is, is, seems to be somebody who's been credited with a lot of the, um, um, ideas, of course, uh, I'm sure along with Wyndham Rotunda for this, but you know, like how much of, of uh, involvement was true? Did Paul Lebeck had have himself? Um, and how hands on was he with with it all? Um, I think it, it, it you know it rightfully tells you that um, they see great success in it, and perhaps it's something that they'll be looking to replicate in similar fashion for other stars as they arrive. I will say, like you know, coming off of it on Monday, I I just or sorry, I should say even like last Friday, and especially now Monday. Like I don't I don't know if like mm, much of the um, sort of feeling and tone we had in, in the presentation of this white rabbit stuff. I don't know if, if, if a lot of that was felt like it was continued, um, in Bray Wyatt's return, like just with the way they, they're so explicit with, with everything now. Um, yeah, I don't know, but, but, um, again, follow up is everything. Yeah. And, and we'll see how well they can carry along this sort of like mystery, you know, because I certainly don't necessarily don't feel like they're doing it with, uh, Ms. and Dexter Loomis and, um uh, the, the new White Rabbit is what's the secret that Miz has that Dexter Loomis is trying to get.
1: Yeah, and as an add-on to our SmackDown ratings discussion last night was the fact that uh, Brandon Thurston got the quarters. And while the number overall was largely unchanged from the week before, the final quarter did see a big growth for Bray Wyatt. So his his quarter hour did do very well um, in comparison. So that is okay. uh, that that does show uh, there there was interest for that. That last quarter with Bray Wyatt, and the last note is raw from Monday night, a million eight hundred and four thousand viewers point five zero in the eighteen to forty nine demo so um, they were only down one percent in viewership, they were down ten percent in eighteen to forty nine uh, that was coming off the season premiere last week, but this was still their second best number against the NFL this season. Um, just um a a larger drop off in the third hour they fell seventeen uh, percent in viewers eighteen and a half in eighteen to forty nine throughout the show, so it was obviously um teasing that Ms. Dexter Loomis match. It scared many people off of the third hour. They were not sticking around for Elias. They were not sticking around for the U.S. title match. They're like, Ms. and Loomis, third hour, I'm out of here. So that, that was it. So they were going against uh, the Monday night football game that did about uh, 12 million viewers or so, and uh, they actually had lesser competition because with the Yankees-Guardians game getting rained out, um, that was less competition on their plate on Monday night. So with uh, the rain delay, it, it probably helped her off.
0: What about Bachelor in Paradise, John?
1: How did Bachelor in Paradise do? Was it uh, was it a five hour uh, gauntlet on
0: on Monday? <laughs> it night? was not five hours. I think that, I think these shows are like two hours, but I mean it, it seems to it, two uh, it, hours. Yeah, Uh did not top the night. That was Telemundo or Telemundo. It looks like, but um, as far as English speaking champ like or this? Univision, I should say Univision top the night. But um, this is
1: a, this is a rare network show that SmackDown actually does higher than
0: uh, Bachelor in Paradise. Wow. Okay. So that, there you have. All right. It. Well, um, did, did have you watched? Oh, I have. Yeah. I. I mean, it's difficult to find time, of course, to catch up these days. You know, they do like two hours Mondays and Tuesdays. Of course, like, it's the only thing that like competes in terms of wrestling, um, in, in terms of content time. Yeah. Could you
1: imagine a product? Yes, having uh, multiple <laughs> hours, multiple nights a week. I mean, imagine if they had a. Sh- imagine they did three hours on Monday night, two hours on Tuesday night, and then they did another two hours on Friday. Oh, it's nights. coming! I am sure. Yeah, it's 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 all there. All right, so uh, that is all the latest uh, ratings notes, and we will we will have a, a report up on Wednesday with uh, the Tuesday night tussle between NXT and AEW.
0: You are calling it the Tuesday night tussle. Yes. All right. Yeah, I don't know if that one's gonna stick.
1: Should, yeah. should, should I t- should I tweet out the uh, the results and just just for old time's sake to for for the replies? You mean the NXT results? Both. I'll just put them both back to back. Or the ratings? You mean, the, you mean and the NXT? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, please. Yeah, for old time's sake, and just yeah. just you know let 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 them fight. <laughs> um. Hey, a uh, quick plug here. Tickets are on sale right now. For the pro wrestling's five-year anniversary tussle, Saturday, November nineteenth, at QXD's nightclub in Newark, New Jersey, uh, tickets are going very fast, especially our VIP tickets. So go to postwrestling.com slash live if you intend to be there for full gear weekend, uh, of which we actually have a main event now. So that's right. You, yeah,
1: you can you can come for the uh, the warm up, uh, which will be myself and waiting. So we're going to be doing a a live ask away in person uh taking your questions and then uh Braden and, and Davy, they are cooking up a show that they will be uh warming up the crowd with and many of the uh, the post wrestling family will be in attendance on November nineteenth, including Brandon Thurston, WH Park, even our man Neil coming all what? the way in an airplane to Goodness, to visit. wow we will be the man
0: in person. Some international and local flavor, of course, uh, from, from Post Wrestling in in and around the New Jersey area. So wrestling.com slash live. Get your tickets now. VIP tickets include access to the meet and greet as well as an event T-shirt. So do yes. that if you're interested.
1: Buy your tickets. Tweet us. Let us know you're coming. And uh, we are a month away from uh, from Post Wrestling turning five years old. Uh, So all the news can be found at postwrestling.com. Way and I are going to be back on Wednesday with a Wednesday edition of Rewind Away. We are reviewing the October 1983 WWF card from Madison Square Garden. I can only hope that you have started this card by now, Way.
0: You will not have it by, by Wednesday. If you I've heard. started. I'm, I believe I'm on the Bob Backlund match. So I think um, I've, I've got that in the Cage match. And then like whatever filler that they have at the end to go. There's some filler. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of notes on this show.
1: So look forward to that as we go back to October of 1983. Um,
0: it's one of the, the oldest shows here. we've ever reviewed.
1: Uh yes, yes. This uh of the Rewind Away era. I, I think it was it was pointed out we ha- we have reviewed the wrestler, the movie The Wrestler. But in terms oh, that of an doesn't event count. Yeah. This is the oldest event that we have reviewed. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. It's uh you you have not watched the Cage Match yet? Not yet. Okay, well, that's going to be the focus, I think, of most of our discussion. It's uh, mm-hmm. all coming out Wednesday for all post-wrestling CAFE members. And then Thursday, we've got MCU Later and The Wellness Policy. So a great time to be a CAFE member. Uh, you can tune into The Wellness Policy live at 3, and there will be up for everybody uh, later that night. Way, Neil, and Jordan Goodman chatting about fatherhood
0: with Mike Murray, no less. The Scarborough dad himself, yeah. So join us live post-wrestling. If you're a post-wrestling cafe patron, we'll send out the link directly to you. But if you're not, just uh, stay tuned to our social media. Uh, You'll find a link to join us live on Zoom Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern.
1: Okay, AEW Dynamite tonight from the Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. We had Title Tuesday. And starting things off is the AEW Trios Championships match with Death Triangle defending against Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. And uh, they did bring up the fact that Pentagon and Phoenix are coming off their respective matches at Triple Mania. So noting, uh, you know, Pentagon unmasking Viano 4 and Ray Phoenix having his match with uh, El Hio Del Vikingo. Two tremendous matches to close out Triple Mania, by the way, if you have not seen them. But uh, here they are back several days later and opening up Dynamite. So we saw uh, Chuck Taylor lifted up Phoenix in like a razor's edge position. And then, like, dumped them onto Trent for what I wrote as something. I don't know what they were trying here, but uh, it, it didn't look like it was uh, uh, met, met their expectation level. A uh, bunch of dives by Death Triangle all in tandem. There was a Tower of Doom onto Orange Cassidy. And then we see a pair of pile drivers to Penta. They all do the group hug. And then Phoenix uh, catches Pack with the hammer and is telling them not to use it. And they start arguing. It leads to a roll-up by Orange Cassidy. Orange hits the orange punch but can't make the cover. And then Penta goes for his Canadian destroyer. Trent stops it, and it's turned into strong zero for a big near fall. And then Phoenix makes his comeback and hits the fire driver, pinning Trent in 11 minutes and 46 seconds, but then has more words for Pack afterwards. Because how dare you try to use a hammer to keep these trios titles on us
0: mm-hmm But then they did make up afterwards. At the end, you know, a bit of a hug. So um, I feel like
1: it, it, I wasn't going to use it on you. I was using it on our
0: opponents. So just chill out. Like it's a hammer. <laughs> Who cares. He's like he should have said. I mean, I've been doing this for a whole month. Why didn't you tell me back then? Are you not Don't watching you watch Dynamite? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do you think
1: I've won all these titles?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The match itself, I thought, was tremendous. You know, as, as I, I think we've seen before with the, these two trios, um, they went about like ten minutes here with absolutely no breaks in action at all. It's almost to me like the perfect example of the type of pace and style you want from a trios match that distinguishes it from you know the rest of the 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 the, I guess, match types in AEW. It was really great. Um, And then, you know, a bit of a follow-up on the story here. We're starting to see Phoenix and and Pentagon, you know, have issue with Pac now. But um, did you get the sense that this was kind of teasing a longer breakup story with the death triangle? Or or was this them making up and just kind of being the end of Pac and his cheating?
1: No, I think that this was designed to show like a rift between, you know, Phoenix's morals and Pac's villainous streak Hmm. so yeah i I think that this will be a be an issue that's expanded upon
0: i'm happy to see like some continued story and i'm hoping this actually means a real storyline for the lucha brothers who have been tremendous of course in ring they've gotten over plenty just like you know via their in-ring action but i can't really say much about like real story uh, involving them as individuals so maybe this changes that
1: John Moxley is returning home. They sh- showed a clip from the Road 2 series. And Shivani interviews Britt Baker, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter. And Hayter says by the end of the year, either her or Britt Baker will be interim women's champion. Baker cuts out interim, as one of them will be women's world champion. Uh, alluding to the fact that maybe we shouldn't be referring to the champion as interim with Thunder Rosa's status.
0: I feel like she's been b- building that up uh, a lot in... I hope it means Thunder Rosa is ready to come back, you know, for that match. But um, at this point, I almost f- kind of forget she's the interim. She's, she's been very active.
1: And that took us to Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida for the interim women's championship. Um, the audience was chanting for both as they shake hands to start and there 's a hip attack sending Sheeta off the apron to the floor. Sheeta hit a Rana and flying knee, followed that with a missile drop kick and then a meteora. Storm comes back, released German into her hip attack, and then Sheeta misses the knee, bridging German by storm for a two count before hitting storm zero and retains the title in eight minutes and forty two seconds a a very nice like hard hitting match between these mm-hmm. two. You had the two baby faces, but that wasn 't a negative with this crowd that seemed to go back and forth between both and um and also an earlier than usual uh women's match this was
0: like 20 minutes into the show second match of the night yeah yeah um i i you know i i wonder if it's because um they see a bit more star power in in, in a tony storm that like or maybe it doesn't make a difference honestly you know is there really that big of a difference being the second last match of the night and being the second match of the night um at least not to me as a viewer. You know, I think Storm has been a fantastic champion thus far. She's been incredibly consistent in the ring, getting great matches out of seemingly everybody on the roster. Like you mentioned, John, you know, instituting a very hard-hitting style that everybody uh, in the in the division seems to be more than willing to, you know, take part. in. they also took no breaks here, cramming in a ton of action um, in, in his, whatever time that they received. And I thought all of it looked pretty strong action-wise. So... I wish there was more of a build as usual, you know, with with some of these matches. Um, the gist of the build that we had here, at least on TV, was a photo of these two from ten years ago, uh, right before the match. So clearly, there was a lot more story that I think could have been told than just. They said know. it
1: was ten years in the making. This match way, what more? Do you
0: well, well, to me, it was one week in, in the making because that's when she made her return, and that's when they announced the match. So well, they've
1: been counting down for a decade
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna cram ten years in one week, then I guess that that's how you do it.
1: So Rebel and Jamie Hader jump the, uh, jump Tony Storm in the ring and Baker comes out in her Steelers jersey to her music and she is followed by Soraya who runs down tackling Britt Baker. They fight and then Rio runs out making her return. She has not been there for months and attacks Rebel who had grabbed a crutch and hits a big high cross to Jamie Hader. and it's Riho who tends to Tony Storm and leaves with her. So uh, this is going to set up Riho taking on uh, Jamie Hayter.
0: Tony Storm seems like she has a lot of friends, you know, she's, or at least she, it seems like she has a new friend every single week show up to her aid. Like sometimes it's, I mean, at one point it was it was Rosa, then it was like Ember, then it was or sorry, Athena, and then it was Sheeta, and then it was Riho. So every week she, she's calling somebody new to...
1: Yeah, but then all these yeah, friends her. want to fight her for the title. So, I mean, maybe this is just their strategy. Get close to her, and then boom, you're in. Gotta be it. Gotta
0: be it, yeah. No, I, 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 I thought it was really cute how, like, Riho came out. And she couldn't help but come out and smile and wave to the crowd before she realized, oh, shit, I'm, I'm supposed to be fighting here, <laughs> charging down to the ring. But I thought it was kind of fitting of, of it's
1: like uh, Jeff Hardy rescuing Matt.
0: Yeah. But in this case, like I, I just found it very endearing for the type of character and like sort of personality Riho tends to have. Um, I, I, I'm happy that she's back. I mean, I don't know what her status has been, but like it seems like it seems like her last trip in, into the U.S. Um, I don't. Know if she was here long enough for them to actually do something with her, but it, it kind of feels like her presence has been pretty, like, you know, not like non existent for over a year plus. So I'm, I'm happy to see her in the mix. I think the women's division is in a pretty healthy spot right now, you know, like because I think Tony Storm has been doing so well. So I'm happy to see Riho in the mix with, like, you know, really high caliber of talent that they have right now.
1: So, yeah. War Joe. Way's favorite tag team name responded to the kingdom and said, they can fight us two on two or one on one. You can pick the title. So this is going to be the easiest title shots ever granted in AEW. These two just walk in and they, they have their, their, their choice can take us on in a tag match or you can go for one of our titles. I mean, some nice options on the table here.
0: I mean, when you have a lot of titles, it's you know, and so so are we officially putting to bed this like ranking system now no updates on it for you know quite a while now it, I, it, I think I, it's it doesn't matter
1: i think it's asleep it's not
0: dead but it's asleep it's asleep how how would they possibly bring it back at this point you know, not well. to make up for a lot of i guess maybe at the new year they'll just like restart maybe i think yeah. it's gone like it was a great idea it was novel for the time and maybe even worked out to help but at this point it's just kind of more work than it probably needs to be
1: yeah, it, uh, I think it created unnecessary headaches in certain parts. I think it sometimes it got like un- unfair criticism. I, I liked, like the concept of it, but I think people, it was it was also an easy crutch to poke holes into. So I, I kind of mm-hmm. see them, you know, just slowly need it out. It, you're right. It, it doesn't affect the show one iota, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. Renee Paquette spoke with FTR. And asked when they're going to expand their tag title collection since they're the number one contenders for the AEW belts. And they mentioned uh, Dralistico and Dragon Lee, who are now the, the contenders for the AAA tag titles after Saturday. But their ultimate goal is the AEW tag titles. So Swerve and Keith Lee walk in and they believe they deserve the next shot. And Keith Lee agrees with Swerve. So Dax proposes that next week in Virginia, they have a match to determine the number one contenders. So it will be FTR against Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee, which was a tag match that has never entered my mind, but I'm very intrigued by
0: for next Wednesday. Uh, They they should have a hell of a match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, along with the acclaim, like they're the, they're the two most, um, I guess three most active, you know, tag teams in the company right now. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I love the way that like, um, cash and, and Dax really just kind of set up their motivation to win the AEW tag team championships here because, um, they want to complete the year with the final and arguably most important belt in, in the collection. And it's almost like, um. You know, you figure somebody would be happy enough, like winning, you know, three tag team championships. But it's almost like if you're, you sometimes become so successful. If you don't get that last thing, it'll make it even worse. You know, than than not having any belts at all. It's like you know, you ever play like McDonald's uh, Monopoly, which is like out right sure. now. <laughs> you like, you know, they they when I used to do this as a kid, I used to play McDonald's Monopoly, and like you would be able to collect all the stickers. And they would just leave one, like per row, like completely tough to get, like, like one per row. Like you you would almost
1: think that they that something 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 was on this was at foot.
0: You you would think so. Yeah. But that's how they get you, you know, like or like, you know, when when you used to collect like NHL stickers, remember like that? Like when when W or sorry, when when McDonald's used to do that. You can collect the hockey team logos. I more remember the
1: hockey ones. I never was really the monopoly, And that
0: was player. the same. Like, you know, you collect the rows for every division, and then they would just, be, there'd be one team that, like, was impossible to find. And that's how I, I think FTR feels. You know, they, they they've collected everything. But the one that is the toughest to get, there's very limited supply of. So I feel their pain is all I'm trying to say.
1: Well, I think it's a, it's an intriguing match for next week. It probably sets up the full gear title match and you either have FTR going for the last set of belts or you do the third match with Lee and Strickland.
0: I think FTR is the stronger play for Full Gear. It's a it's a, it's a far more intriguing number one contenders match than the title match that's actually taken place um for the for the titles versus Trademark t- uh match on Friday. I mean, um yeah, I, I I I think FTR at this point like probably should be getting a proper uh, pay per view match. I, I I think the acclaimed you know Swerve sort and of our Glory match still has to happen at some point, but I think for for pay per view, you can actually make the argument they're both pretty big. Um, could it be a three way? Even. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's possible. It it gets a little. Yeah, it, it, it's possible you could you could do
0: a three way. They do love yeah. to get
1: as many of their
0: guys onto paper. Just because, like, uh, they might they might just want a proper heel team. But at least, in, actually, in AEW, that doesn't matter so much.
1: Marvez interviewed Jay Lethal, who was with Darby Allen. <laughs> they agreed to no physicality, and then Jay Lethal challenges Darby to a rematch after losing two weeks ago. Darby says, "I'm just going to keep beating you and beating you." So Dutt calls him a trash panda, and. They insult Darby, and then they beat the hell out of him. So they went against a gentleman's agreement of no physicality, which I guess is not legally <laughs> binding in AEW.
0: No, you got to get uh, one of the lawyers, you know, just Mark Sterling or something on it to, to be official, I guess.
1: Well, they not only beat the hell out of Darby, but then they closed a garage door on him and then lethal applied a figure four with the man trapped underneath the garage door.
0: Yeah, so he really can't escape. So that will be a future match at a at a later date. Trash panda? They called him. He called him a like a raccoon, isn't that what a trash panda is?
1: Well, when he said that, I immediately thought that like David Finley was going to appear from somewhere and like destroy
0: Darby. Uh, oh, hey, the, he's in Japan right now. Well, speaking of which, I mean, they, Lethal said or Dutt said a personal friend let them know that uh, what Darby's weakness is. So wh- who's the personal friend? Who are they alluding to? What are they Um, alluding to anybody?
1: I I don't know. How many personal friends does he have on this, on this roster? It's like it's sting. Uh, It doesn't have to be on the roster. Okay. Well, maybe he can go elsewhere then. I don't know. Someone in the Pacific
0: Northwest. Yeah. I'm not sure if there was like an attempt to set up a mystery uh, uh, here or not, but I I just caught the line.
1: Then the big segment was uh, Tony Schiavone in the in the ring with William Regal and, Immediately, MJF interrupts and comes out, and MJF takes off the ring. He says he is not here to fight. While Regal is all ready to throw down with his brass knuckles on, and MJF, we are ready for another chapter in the man's very complicated <laughs> origin story. He is assembling a comic book in his AEW run, and this is
0: a uh, comic this is its own book volume autobiography. Yes, Re- realistically, I think, you know, we're, we're going to get a hell of a, an outside interference video from Brian Mann uh, compiling all of this, I bet. So as we alluded to
1: last week, like Andrew Thompson had brought this story up that I guess he's talked about uh, in the past. So mm-hmm. he's going to give us, not the Reader's Digest version, he's giving us the, the entire encyclopedia. encyclopedia. He says that when he was 19... After training for one year, he was pulled aside by his trainers, Pat Buck and Brian Myers, and told that they got him some extra work in WWE. It's a very uh, famous image that people uh, uh, grabbed from uh, MJF playing security uh, with Samoa Joe back at at a takeover in 2015. So he drove to the Barclays Center for the opportunity. And the extras were spoken to by Regal. And then they were set out to have tryout matches in front of Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Adam Pearce, and Regal. And MJF recalls watching the first match and Malenko telling the two to get out of the ring. And so he was next and knew that the pressure was on and said, I wasn't fighting for a contract. I was fighting for my life because professional wrestling is my life. And after the match he had, Regal pulled him aside. And took him into a room and said, you have three minutes to sell me on yourself. And boy, did I. And after this promo he cut, he said Regal's jaw was on the floor and said, I'm going to get you a job today. And MJF immediately realized that he's now going to be a superstar. And then he was asked his age. And he told Regal he was 19 at the time. And Regal told him that's much too young. But he said, what I am going to do for you, there are three people in this business who I've put my name to, and that's Claudio, Danielson, and Moxley, and I would be willing to put my name next to yours if you will just send me a match and a promo each month, and we'll continue to stay in contact. So he sent him a match and a promo the next month, thanks. Then the second month, same reply, and then the third month, he sent him a match and a promo and William Regal gave him a much lengthier response this time. And there the man had the receipts on his phone. He pulls up this email from 2015 from William Regal. Max, I'm a very busy man. I've got talent from all over the world and I've just had to sit for minutes watching you quote, show me your acting skills. Do not reply to this. But how does this make me say, oh, I know, let's hire Max. Make a name for yourself in the wrestling world and you'll get noticed. That means being a high-level performer. When you do, trust me, I'll know. Unfortunately for you, the game has changed. The WWE exclusively hires the best talent in the world with the top world-class athletes. When you're one of them, then maybe send me your stuff. Yours sincerely william
0: regal okay so what what era are we talking about here you know and and does this check up like obviously obviously like we we can discuss how much truth there is in all this of which I, i'm willing to believe there's a, a great deal of it but um if i am jf um i think acting is it would be exactly the thing that like you know <laughs> that era of wwe they'd be looking for um, but but Regal it was saying that he wa- wanted to see more action. He wanted to see more wrestling. Is that right? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that was... And that kind spells of- to me the dichotomy between the disconnect between perhaps what was going on in the Performance Center and what Vince McMahon was looking for on the main roster.
1: Well, remember, 2015 is also the year he sends in his audition for Tough Enough, and they don't pick him.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Anyway. Please continue. So he's, he pulls up this email. And th- this is an incredible delivery by MJF. Like mm-hmm. You have to watch this. And then he goes on to say, that's the email you sent to a child with a dream. And you squandered it. I wanted to quit wrestling and quit my life. I wanted to kill myself. But I realized that if I did, you and the naysayers would win. Now the tables have turned, and you're a sad, withered old man who got fired, and now you've snuck into my company after sticking to talent far better than you were, and I'm MJF. On top of the business, a generational talent and your former employees would be willing to take several human lives to get me to put pen to paper in the bidding war of 2024. I read that email every day, not to have a chip on my shoulder, but to laugh because that's what I think of you now as a joke. And I'm about to become AEW champion of the world This crowd was just in awe of this man's delivery, and they gave him a standing ovation at the Mm -hmm. end of this. And there was nobody that was in a greater pressure situation than William Regal, who had to come back after this and did a hell of a job that we'll get to. But uh, the first half of this, I mean, this was just incredible.
0: It was amazing absolutely amazing you know it's 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 sort of like the, the the sort of um depth of story telling we really don't often see in professional wrestling and uh i don't know like there are segments out there where you can kind of tell when mjf walks out he it's going to be one of those segments you know like 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 it was you know this uh, you got a similar feeling when he came out to talk to punk you know when you're getting a serious mjf um you get results like this that I feel like we'll, we'll be discussing for a long time. Like, these aren't just, you know, week of sort of moments. Like, these are the types of segments we'll be discussing for years to come. I love the fact that he... Because, like, in talking about tryout matches, what is... Like, what what is a tryout match in the context of a real sport? He did make sure to say, I won my tryout match... And then blank, you know, um, as if to say, like, the trial matches were to show who is the better physical competitor in a real athletic contest, you know, and um, like throughout this entire thing. What I'm trying to say is kayfabe was still maintained.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it, it's a really good uh, attention to detail you caught there. So Regal gets the microphone. Dude, this crowd is booing Regal. How How dare you send that email to MJF? And he starts off stating he left at the age of 16 to the carnival to try and get into this industry and talked about how people that age should not be getting beaten up for a living. And he saw something in Max at 19 that he sees now that he would be a big star. I wanted to light a fire under you. And if an email has stuck with you for seven years, then you've had it easy. And then he shifts focus to MJF putting his hands on Tony Schiavone several weeks ago. How that's one thing, that's a line you never cross. And he knew that MJF had it in him, but let him down by taking shortcuts. And you haven't proven anything to me. Don't take any shortcuts. And he tells him to be the devil as he turns his back and gives him his back to attack him. And says, be the devil Or you can be a victim and cry and MJF is winding up with the ring on, but he hesitates and he can't do it as Regal just smirks and says you have a lot to prove. And he left and left us with an unbelievable segment
0: uh, between two guys that were just uh, on fire on for 15 minutes here. 100% 100% yeah I you know I, I didn't think NJF would be any sort of question but like Regal to me was was being more tested here than he probably has in decades on the microphone at least you know we saw the guy um upon his first appearance in AEW and while he sounded good in that segment I mean it 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 went long it, it probably felt a, a little bit more rough you know considering um uh, I, you know, maybe the the shape one has to be in the sharpness one has to be in um, in, in order to do this on live TV. And he had every bit of it here like this was, I mean, <laughs> certainly the best regal promo I've heard in years. And I'll have to really kind of think back to see if he even had this sort of platform back in his heyday, you know, if, if he was even able to cut a promo like this. But he brought in not just great delivery, but, you know, a, a good logic, like for the reason that he sent. A pretty dickish email, you know. If, if if it's a true email here, I was doing it to motivate you, <laughs> like totally your classic excuse. But um, clearly, it worked. I mean, if if that was the intent, you know, it, it sounded good, got the crowd back on his side, and and that's certainly more than you can ask for of, of of most people coming after a promo like that.
1: Yeah, it's and it leaves it open too for something down the road where you could even see these two aligning with each other at at some point. Like Regal is like the baby face in the Blackpool combat club. Like, I I don't know how, how much legs that one has down the road, but if you're going to do this story of MJF getting the title and then in his contract year, if he's going to stay or go, Having him attached to Regal that is so tied to the head of WWE now, like, there is a dynamic there that it – I don't know if it's the wisest story to be telling on AEW programming, but it is there for the taking if you're going to go there.
0: Potentially. Who knows, like, by that time, you know, if MJF will be a babyface or a heel or, mm-hmm. or or vice versa with Regal, but – you know, you, you, a talent like William Regal's, you could really apply to any sort of, like, wrestler who needs that sort of mouthpiece. And, and clearly, like, he could, he still got it, you know, going toe-to-toe here with, with Regal like this. So so what do you see for MJF here? You know, this was obviously, like, motivation to set up for him doing the noble thing and not uh, cashing in at an opportunistic time and, and instead uh, doing a predetermined cash-in later on. Um, do you think that's where the, the, the baby face teasing ends or are we going to continue with this like further MJF potential baby face turn?
1: Yeah, it, it, it does feel like they are going to go into this match with sort of that, that, that in between for, for MJF here. So, I mean, how, how it culminates in the story. I mean, it, it could all be a, um, device that he goes and you know that this could certainly set up the the title win and then he's you know does something despicable that keeps him in, in the in the heel role for for a while but th- i think it's it's going to be constantly battling the this crowd that wants to be behind this guy so maybe you just sort of sense where the crowds are going in the lead up to this and and sort of
0: plan accordingly Anytime like he comes out and says like the type of real story like he did tonight, you know, he's going to get the crowd on his side. If anything, like just because of the talent that I think is required in a performance and telling a story like that, but also because the the, the context like leaves you incredibly sympathetic for, for somebody like him. He needs to, though, like act upon that sort of anger and rage in a way that is despicable. And that you know, it, 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 like in a way that you can't cheer for. So, I think this was a good way of getting him to agree to challenging Moxley at at a at, on a certain date rather than cashing in. Um, but he's going to have to do something nefarious, I think. You know, um, to to get he's always to me going to be better as a heel. Um, and and if there's a time where that's simply not working, then maybe you turn him babyface. But for now, I, I I imagine he'll continue to you know. Flirt with with the idea of turning, especially as he leads up to threatening to leave AEW for WWE.
1: A must see segment from Wednesday night for sure, uh, or f- sorry, from Tuesday night. Renee interviewed the acclaimed, and they are going to take on the varsity athletes this Friday.
0: And oh, sharp, I can't believe they're going with that name. Yes, I mean, I it like it, it's got to be a, like. Is there is there any reason? Like, are they going to? eventually have another match with the varsity blonde because if not and they're just going to keep that name just for, <laughs> i think it's such a bad name
1: well i i don't know we've heard nothing from the varsity blondes to protest this so um it's titles versus trademarks on friday and they are going to stomp shark mark in the nuts that's the promise shark mark yeah that's what they
0: called them shark mark what what's well what's so bad about being a shark it's not an endearing term. So uh and it rhymes. So Shark's marred. not endearing? Shark's like the you know, king of the, the ocean. Uh well they're they're predators. What's so what's wrong with that? They're out for blood. <laughs> okay. I'm way more excited about the number one contenders match next week than this this match. The tit- titles versus trademarks? Yeah. Yeah. Renee did her
1: sit down with Danielson and Yuda. Renee asks Danielson, uh, how did you feel about losing to Chris Jericho last week? Uh, Not great. He had high hopes for Daniel Garcia. He could surpass what he's done from a technical wrestling standout. He could be the best wrestler we've ever seen. And Yuda's just shaking his head, smiling. And Renee follows up on this response. Yuda says, how could you be surprised at what Garcia did? Me and Claudio could have seen it a mile away. His video says Dragon Slayer on it. And he thought it meant something when he bled for the Blackpool Combat Club. I shouldn't have met my hero because it obviously means nothing to you. So Daniel's other child uh, was uh, not not happy here.
0: How do you manage, how, uh, John? You tell me. You know, as a father of two, how do you manage? Like, you know, giving equal attention to both of your children when you're you know when you're trying to pray as one, not the other.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, if if one of them ends up uh, wanting to be a sports entertainer over a
0: pro wrestler, <laughs> that's just a divide you you need to accept. Yeah. Uh, hey, I like this. It's actual. It's more storytelling for for Wheeler Yuta coming off the NJF program, of, uh, in which I feel like he he you know obviously like you're not gonna um, look amazing standing next to NJF, but he also to me like looked a lot better than I expected, and this is now more material for him to you know further his his um i guess um acting ability, promo ability and uh going up against Brian Danielson in a st- like a sort of like a jealous kid storyline, i is a wonderful follow up. So we'll see what yuda does. Um i think as a match i think it'll be tremendous. So what do you think of uh, Renee like doing this sort of like sit down interview stuff?
1: Um it it's fine. Um you know, it didn't stand out in a big way on on the show, but I think she should be utilized for more of these. I think they need to be doing more of these. I think the segment would have been more effective if it, if it had like another minute or two. Like it just felt very rushed and fit into the show. Like this was all of like 90 seconds. Um, yeah, It's kind of hard to get the, you know, the the impact of what a sit down interview should
0: accomplish. I feel that way with like even the video packages, you know, sometimes they're so fleeting that like it, it, it's, it, they're almost just kind of pretty pictures. But, you know, something like, like about this, of which like, I think Renee is, is obviously perfect, like for, for this type of role and then some. But I also always felt like Jim Ross could have done a lot more of these because I always thought he felt he was really good at them. And with Renee now kind of, you know, assuming this, this role, I, I don't know if there's much for Jr. to do at all besides being a third voice on Rampage, fourth voice on, on Rampage. The R-O-H- by, the way, by the way, a bunch of people are saying it's shart, shart mark, oh. as in sharting, like a sh- combination of, of shit and fart. On behalf so, of both of us, we
1: are so sorry that yeah, we misheard you. shart mark. Shart mark. huh. Uh, Chris Jericho and Dalton Castle for the ROH Championship is next. Uh, big entrance for Dalton Castle. We have Ian Riccaboni on commentary, and Castle runs around the ring,
0: uh, really Dalton, big, really big. With like how many uh, how many boys did he have? A lot of Ten? boys. Yeah, yeah. It was, they, it was they, a,
1: quite the elaborate entrance for
0: him. It was the type of entrance that like because I like please correct me if I'm wrong. Was this not Dalton Castle's first singles match in AW like TV like or Dynamite at least? Like singles match. Um, has he had a, he did a, match like, a battle before?
1: of the belts? Um,
0: oh, okay. All right, you know, he's,
1: he's had sporadic appearances.
0: I, I just don't, I don't think his presence has been like anything significant at all on, on AEW TV. So like, but this was the type of entrance where like, you didn't even have to see any of, of those other things. All you have to know was prior ring of honor champion. And then you just see the incredible amount of production and charisma that went to him coming out here. And you you know, he's a big deal.
1: Yeah, I think the promo did a, did a great job last week in establishing himself uh, or reestablishing himself. And then, yeah, the entrance was a nice touch for tonight's uh, match. So Castle uh, re-enters the ring, suplexes Jericho around. Uh, the boys go after Jake Hager on the floor and take his bucket hat. So then Hager snaps and destroys the boys and reclaims his hat. Castle then applies to the Julie Newmar's submission. Jericho breaks free, goes for the walls. Then a lion salt is stopped as Castle grabs hold of him and turns it into a German. Codebreaker is countered with a bangerang, and Jericho kicks out of the bangerang. And then Castle spins, Jericho ducks, and he lands the Judas Effect in 12 minutes and
0: 27 seconds.
1: And they point out that Jericho did not cheat to win the match.
0: He, won he did not. Yeah. Uh, I guess if you don't count, like, all the uh, Jake Hager stuff on the outside. Um, Hager also... I mean, introduced- he had four
1: guys, like, on top of him. I mean, you're you're sure. allowed
0: to wreak havoc yeah. once it's four on one. Hager also introduced this, this thing where, like, so he's been wearing the bucket hat, and they, <laughs> they took... The boys took his hat off, and that's what got him to get really angry as he destroyed all of them. And as he screams, don't touch my hat. <laughs> It's really funny. I Has like anyone it. ever like ripped your, ha- your your hat off your head? Like Oh, it's-, it's the worst. It's the it's embarrassing. Yeah. Like my hat my hair's all fucked up, you know? Yeah, it's terrible. Like it's a real slight. Yeah. Somebody grabbed my elf hat, remember that? <laughs> and you nearly put in, uh, put a man to sleep. I bang oranged him almost. <laughs> yeah. Hot match, um fun and memorable in terms of charisma, Le castle immediately got over. You know, um, And, uh, he's, this was a great outing for him. I thought
1: Jericho says that ROH champions are out ring announcers out even commentators and the Jericho appreciation society. They take Ian Riccoboni from the broadcast area, and they're going to put Ian Riccoboni out when Jerry Lynn comes out and rips the ROH belt away from Jericho. He stands up to him and Jericho attacks Jerry Lynn. Lifts him up and delivers the world's safest pile driver to Jerry Lynn on top of the belt. Uh, as they note that Lynn had reconstructive neck surgery, and this man has not had a match in like nine years. I
0: I, no, there's no match. This was the spot. This was I would think like this chance. should be
1: it. Like this is maybe their way of just you know it's a it's a check mark next to Jerry Lynn's name that they did a spot because I I don't think you want to push it with a match
0: with this. Oh, player. I don't think so. I, I, and I don't think they need to. Like I'm surprised they went with the t- Tombstone Piledriver even. You know, for, for he the spot. was
1: very very careful putting him yeah. down. Like, yeah, It, it yeah. tells me like they. Yeah, I think this is the most Jerry yeah. Lynn is going to be doing.
0: But you know, like I mean, a, 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 a Judas effect, I think would have would have would have sufficed, but but still, they they wanted to claim he you know another one notch on the belt in, in ROH champions that he he's taken out. So, um, I I thought the the entire segment was was really strong between the Riccaboni tees and and this Jerry Lynn thing. So I I think the end goal here is Eden Riccaboni. You know he's really at the top of the mountain at the end of all of this. I think. Is that the match? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what you 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 set up for a final battle.
1: People laugh that would that would probably be <laughs> there was there was a smackdown episode that they built around Adam Pierce and Paul Heyman or something like that and dude, it did some crazy number like just out of nowhere. it was oh, like wow. the notion of adam Pierce having to to fight um
0: huh. it's going to get awkward next time these two call a match
1: together i'm I'm wondering if um yeah, I'm just looking at the at the list here of like some uh, the other potential ones. Like we've mentioned, uh,
0: Daniels lethal lethal wouldn't make so much sense just given like he's a heel and probably shouldn't be taking a loss to Jericho for. Jay
1: Bresco uh, has you know the uh, can he appear on AEW TV that issue? Um, Davey Richards is out there. Eddie Edwards is out there. Um, Nigel McGuinness is an interesting one. Um, Homicide Cody. Cody How about that now.
0: roll call that they did earlier, huh? Yeah,
1: yeah we did technically call. see Punk, and we saw Cody. Uh, they did do roll the roll call. Yeah. call. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we'll see where that story progresses. But uh, a, good, a good segment overall between the match and the post-match stuff here. They recap the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus, uh, Luchasaurus story with Christian Cage stating that Luchasaurus is moving on. He was the brains of the tag team, and they are going after gold now. Got to be a lot more specific than that in this company.
0: Yeah, which title, buddy? You want the All Atlantic? You want the ROH Six Man Championships? The Pure? The TV? The World? Uh, TBS? TNT? Yeah, um, what else we got here? I'm going no? for the New Japan Television <laughs> Championship, <laughs> and I'm bringing <laughs> it back here. New Japan World Championship? Yeah, please. Rampage you know, keep, on Friday. Keep that away. Keep that away from 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 this side of the world, please. We we it should be banned, really.
1: It's a live rampage on Friday from Daily's Place. So, titles versus trademarks. The acclaimed against the varsity athletes with Shart, Mark. Penelope Ford against Willow Nightingale. Preston Vance against Roosh in a Leave Me Alone match. And Hook defending the FTW title against Ari Davari.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a second standalone rampage that they've got. And I can't say... It feels standalone worthy. You know?
1: Well, that's what we said last week, and it did a surprisingly good number. And I can't tell you why last Friday did as well as it did, because that was not a lineup that screamed,
0: oh, turnaround is coming. Clearly the key then. Yeah. Put out a, um, you know, typical rampage.
1: I mean, they threw out it. We might have laughed. It had a step with the contracts and stuff. And they're doing the same thing this week with, like, the, the Acclaim trying to get their scissoring back. Like maybe they and that will run that will run dry very quickly too if you just throw, you know, these one week build ups of stip matches. Mm-hmm. Dynamite next Wednesday is in Virginia with FTR against Swerve in Our Glory, number one contenders match, Riho against Jamie Hayter, Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia against Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta, and Brian Danielson against Sammy Guevara. Well, that that's a very good lineup for Wednesday.
0: Strong, yeah.
1: The baddies are asked by Jade, where is my belt? And they don't know, but they have heard that Nyla Rose will be in Jacksonville on Friday. So Jade says, well, I'm going to be there too. And I'm going to demand my belt back. And Tony Khan, if Nyla doesn't give me my belt back, I'm going to hijack your show for 60 minutes.
0: See that I would kind of be interested in seeing. You know, it would make sixty it a bit more minutes rem-
1: of Jade Cargill just sitting there
0: in the <laughs> in the middle of the ring, Not doing push ups, whatever. Like you know, it would make it a, a bit more memorable than a typical edition of Rampage. I think. Main
1: event: John Moxley Hangman Page for the AEW Championship, and uh, Page met Moxley in the crowd during Moxley's entrance, and they fought uh, around with Page climbing on top of the tunnel and moonsaulting off onto moxley moxley was bleeding before they even got into the ring
0: to begin the match um they that um, sort of moonsault just like at the beginning of the match jesus like as i approach my 40s i just oh man i just (laughs) be thankful for for those knees while you have them god
1: way used to do those moonsaults all the time oh man of course more MJF is watching with the chip, and then later, they went to the private box and he was gone. So they were teasing that he was going to do the cash-in. Um, Regal is on commentary. He's worried about the blood loss for Moxley. There was a dead eye onto the edge of the apron. And then it's Paige with the followaway slam off the top. And this is where they uh, it's Paige who hits his big lariat and then Moxley with his version that ultimately ends the match at 11 minutes and 55 seconds Again, they would not show Paige on camera. They just went to the announcers who were just trying to um, just hold things together for the final 10 minutes of the show. And they noted the stretcher coming out. They went over the lineups. And then Moxley just had to get onto the microphone and he said that he hopes and prays that Page has a full recovery and can do what he loves and mentioning his child. It's a dangerous game. You have to have the guts to play it. And he heard about someone that's been talking shit and calls out MJF. So MJF comes out with Bryce Rumsberg and he has the chip and he's about to start when he rolls to the floor and hands the chip to Regal and grabs the microphone stating he wants people to know he's a man when he cashes in, and he wants Moxley to be at 110% and have no excuses when he beats him so that there's no question of who is better. And he is cashing in at full gear, and for the first time in my miserable life, I'm going to earn it. And it ends with Moxley cutting a promo on him which was just censored to death by TBS. Um, I'm fine with them censoring language, but they have got to have a smoother uh, edit for the the language where instead of just the uh, like amplified crowd noise it just my ears are ringing from this
0: right yeah um yeah bleeping i i, I tend to prefer but
1: just beep that's fine um. it's like it sounds way more effective that way um, but that's how the show ended. I don't think anyone was really engaged in this ending because I think everyone was concerned about Paige. But um, they did want to get you know there was a big angle to shoot at the end of the show to set up your main event of the pay per view. So um, I give credit to all those involved to just mm-hmm. try and steer the ship to the end mm-hmm. of the show. Like you know it's it's nine minutes left in the show that is an eternity on live television, and yep. you're just kind of. You know this. This ending with MJF, like we know how AEW structures their shows. That was probably confined to about sixty to ninety seconds at the end of the show, and they had to stretch it to like nine minutes.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I think beyond you know the two, three, maybe even four, including the referee, like incredible performers that you have in the ring. Um, I I don't think there's a, a person you 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 can count on for a situation like this better than a John Moxley. And then, of course, an MJF as well. You know, two people who are so incredibly quick. A, a John Moxley, who I think you can rely on to improvise a great show closing promo, just on a on a moment's notice, and and he absolutely did that. He sounded incredible. Um, he'd be just like, I would I would count on him to like you know stretch on any sort of broadcast. Like he should really call F one during rain delays. You know, I, I guarantee you, it'd be a really entertaining show. Um, But I I also felt like the way they got here just with all the build that they did with the Regal and MJF segment earlier um, to this point where MJF, the chicken shit heel can, you know, logically, understandably decide not to cash in this money in the bank type of stipulation and instead going the uh, route of uh, choosing a, a predetermined match. I thought that was all incredibly well done. You know, now you get the sense because of that great segment earlier that this is more than just winning the championship for MJF, more than just, you know, a bargaining tool for his eventual bidding war with the WWE. It's his way to prove his self-worth to himself, to William Regal. And it's a way to almost like kind of atone for this thing. That's been, you know, like a, a sticking point for, for him in his life that almost, you know, admittedly he says uh, drove him to, want to kill himself uh, at one point in his life so it becomes a lot more bigger than than just the championship and i thought all of that storytelling really went into this moment and, and did a great job so i i think everybody did really well improvising here and or at least like the people that were called upon to improvise did a great job and of course we all hope that Hammond page is okay after this
1: yeah, obviously it's it's too early to, you know, have any, you know, real update on Hangman Page. A lot of tweets from talents just uh, hoping for the best uh for for Page. So, uh, a very very unfortunate moment uh on on Tuesday night's broadcast and that's going to overshadow everything else on the show, but I would say uh overall it was it, it was a very good episode of the show up until the injury at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um I thought it was still a very good dynamite, you know, and just, just, despite the, you know, misfortune afterwards, I I, I thought they put on a hell of a show between, um, several great in ring matches from the opener to even the main event to the women's match. Um, a a promo segment like you got between MJF and William Regal is like, you don't get those too often, you know, in, in watching professional wrestling. And, uh, that was incredibly strong and worth watching. The whole show I felt was was very strong and worth watching. Castle versus Jericho. I thought Castle had a great appearance. So very good show.
1: All right, let's go to uh, feedback. If you have any super chats, you can also get those in if you
0: are in the uh, the live YouTube chat. And yeah, we've got one super chat here. This comes to us from Dicky Bird. Dickie Bird sends a super chat just to say. Hope you are feeling better, John. What, what's the update on John Pollock? How are you doing?
1: Um, I, I am doing uh, better today. It was um, the worst of it, I think, was the like Saturday through yesterday. I was definitely struggling by the end of uh, yesterday's show. It's just uh, a, a lot of fatigue, um, you know. Coughing fits, uh, just um, like my energy has just been zapped. But t- t- today just felt bad. I actually like got out of the house today and went for a walk. So that mm-hmm. was the first time I'd been out in like three days. So that was good. So good. I- I'm I'm hoping to uh, to test in the next day or so, and hopefully I'm through the uh, the worst of it. But I appreciate the uh, the kind message. How Have you been passing the time outside of work? Oh, dude, I've um, I've watched some movies. Like I've, I've I've been locked down in my basement all all week long. I watched uh, Clerks three tonight. The third one, that mm-hmm. just came out. The verdict. Um, I I always step in it when I say these things. So I'll I'll talk about it in a few years.
0: <laughs> you can talk about whether or not you like the, sh- the movie. Oh, he he said it
1: was <laughs> really good. Now I'm going to go into the movie with the <laughs> inability to think that it might not be
0: good because he said it was good. See, and now I really- know it's good now you're really stepping in it by making fun of the mocking the the people who complain about spoilers. Very nice opening with My Chemical Romance.
1: It's a it's it, it's it's a totally different vibe than than the second film. But uh Okay. I'll leave it at you that. You recommend it, can you say that? Yes, I totally recommend it. Yeah. Okay, there you go. If you're a Kevin Smith fan, it's a you it's one though sometimes there are uh, I don't think this will ruin anything, but sometimes there's like volumes in a series where I will say a positive is the fact that you know you can watch this one as a fan or you can just watch it on its own and enjoy it for what, as it is. This one, you 1,000% 1, need to watch the first two to truly get the third one and get the most out of it because you're going to not receive so many of the things in the, in the third one if you have not seen the first two. So that would certainly be a recommendation.
0: Appreciate it. Gotcha. All right. A- All right let's go to Forum dot com. do you want us to st- do you want to start off john with senior uh, Crest?
1: yes uh i love aw this episode ruled i hope the hangman thing isn't serious i thought it was part of the show no, that was not part of the show storm and sheeta was real good and it was refreshing to see tony roll out a good match overall great show
0: Thank you so much for that piece of feedback. Let's go to Cody from Maine, who says, I genuinely view this as an all-time great dynamite. Ring work, mic work, the hype packages, everything just clicked. But for now, all that is secondary. Hoping that by the end of your review, positive news comes in regarding Hangman. Hopefully, AEW learned from past mistakes and handled this appropriately. Uh, So no news. Not entirely sure what he's referring to of AEW learning from past mistakes. Um. But no update.
1: Uh, We go next to Steve, who writes, The real main event of this show was MJF and William Regal on the mic. Amazing showing for both men. Having someone that can hang with MJF on the mic was awesome. I don't know who Dalton Castle was uh, before last week. Now I'm a fan. His entrance and whole character is really fun. But he can hang pretty good in the ring, too. I'm a little jealous that Cincinnati got an MJF promo. And we got and we got. Staring from the balcony in Toronto, but it is what it is. We got the acclaimed in the ring, so it's a fair split. Great show. Ours was better. Great meeting the post wrestling crew last week. P.S. I wrote this before the end of the show. Really hope Hangman is okay. That seemed pretty scary. That's Steve from Cambridge. Oh uh, yes. Did you think our, it was a better meet
0: and Did you think it was a better show
1: last week? Um, I would say last week's show i
0: because I do not as a viewer, but I don't know if you, you view, view that live
1: last week you, was good too you you thought tonight's show was better
0: yeah i did
1: yeah i i think this one was i probably would have said that i i just think like the, the ending kind of puts a cloud over over this week's show um right but i i thought they were very similar
0: in terms of uh quality okay um, okay uh let, let's cut cut in here for, with the forum feedback to go to bill uh biff biff lawson who sends ten dollars in a super chat to say see you in newark yes Yes, it'd be Biff good Biff Lawson, world famous Biff Lawson, Biff. will be yeah, joining absolutely. us as well. So, there oh, you yeah. can join Biff
1: and all other listeners too. Saturday, November 19th, QXT's nightclub, minutes away from Moxley versus MJF later that night. We can get all Thank your you, predictions. B-
0: yes, absolutely. Thank you, Biff, for the support and the excuse for us to uh, remind the audience one more time uh, about that show. Okay, right. let's go to... Uh, oh, you're up next. Uh, let's go to Benjamin, who says, I started the show off trying to think of a clever joke about Baron Corbin's ring gear yesterday. Now, all I'm thinking, like we all are, is that Hangman Page is okay. Godspeed, Adam Page. Kate from Montreal. On track to be one of the best
1: episodes of Dynamite all year, but clearly it ended as a stark reminder of how incredibly dangerous this business is. Hearing Taz and the other commentators so rattled was unnerving in the extreme. Really hope that Hangman is okay. Yeah, that um, I always... Um, feel terrible when the broadcasters are in that spot. It's uh, very, very difficult in in the moment to have to be there, and you understand what's happening. You're seeing it in front of you, and you've got to just keep the ship going. It's live television. It's a very difficult uh, position for those broadcasters to be in.
0: We got a mugging who says the main event had a scary abrupt end with Hangman getting knocked out. Mox and Friedman. Oh, sorry, uh, yeah, this is me. Yeah, Mox and Friedman made. Lemonade out of lemon and put all eyes towards full gear made lemonade out of the lemon. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. All the best to hangman page. And I hope he has a safe and speed of recovery. Speaking of MJF, he and Regal had one hell of a promo exchange that added even more layers to Friedman's loudmouth bravado. Uh, FTR is finally going to get a straight up tag match on dynamite for the first time in months. And Jericho continues to piss all over what ROH stands for. Uh, Who's going to be the final boss in Jericho's run, he says.
1: I mean, Samoa Joe seems like the obvious
0: pick unless they go somewhere else. Um, you know. For a pay-per-view caliber match, I, I, I think that that seems like the biggest name you can go to. Yeah, if you've crossed, like like
1: Danielson would have been an option, but you've you've done that. So I, mm-hmm. I think that Joe Several would be... Times. The, the natural to go to. And the last piece of feedback is Saeed from Vancouver. Hell of a show. Rio back is wonderful to see. Really hope Hangman is okay. Report from people there that he gave a thumbs up on his way out. Also, NXT ended with Fury coming out and flashing his briefcase, taking it as they don't want Roman to lose the title. So will they have him cash in on NXT? Yeah, we should note that between, oh my God. between WWE, AEW, and now Impact with Bully Ray, they are all doing their version of the cash-in.
0: <laughs> hey, man, it's a wonderful, um, dramatic storytelling device, so I don't really blame them. Um, yeah, it depends how how well they can do it. Uh, th- the idea of Theory possibly cashing in on the NXT championship instead of uh, the WWE, I... I mean, good for them for trying to tease it. I suppose it's possible if you don't want to make Theory look silly. But I think he looks silly just going for the NXT championship. Wait, didn't, didn't off- say it's, it's the developmental brand? Why would the main roster guy go for the developmental brand title? Exactly. Like, is he going to take a pay cut as well to, to get back on the <laughs> NXT roster? You know? <laughs> um, like, you figure on the hierarchy of titles, it'd be like... Yeah, the SmackDown, it's, it's it's the the world, the Universal, and then it, it'd be the United States, and then it'd be the uh, Intercontinental. So why not go for one of those, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the theory thing to me, it's like whatever they end up doing, I, I just – I don't know. I, I I don't see it being
0: uh, – I think it'd be such a waste of a money in the bank. I, much I think it's prefer, already a
1: waste of a money in the bank to be
0: quite honest. Well, I much prefer the idea of like you've know like you suggested like having a Kevin Owens win it off of him or something. So –
1: yeah, I mean, would be weird. They, could, they could certainly put it on someone that they are actually going to, you know, have as a viable challenger. And I just don't see Austin Theory as anywhere near there. So him challenging Braun Breaker is fine
0: with me. Hey, uh, Biff Lawson sends another $10 just to say you're oh, welcome. My goodness. Wow. We we look forward to uh, hanging out with Biff in, in Newark. Okay. Thank you so much, Biff. And then one more from Muggin here who wants to clarify that he wants Hangman to be all right. We We did not think that you did not mean that. Uh in so thanks for the clarification though. I I, I understand. Yeah, I, I was just kinda thrown off. I thought it was always like uh I thought the I thought the, the saying was something else, but uh lemon he lemonade got, out of lemon. Right. Yeah, yeah, you got Life it. gives you, you
1: lemons, it. make lemonade. That's it. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I feel like some lemonade now. Uh do you have some? No, <laughs> I don't, so I'm gonna have
0: some water. Right, you gotta wait okay. till the morning.
1: Yeah. Wednesday, up next, is going to be out. Brayden and Davey will have a review of NXT. They're also going to go through their thoughts on Dynamite. Um, hoping that we have uh, good news about Hangman Page uh, on Wednesday. Uh, but you thanks- Thank you to everyone for tuning in for the special Tuesday night edition of Rewind to Dynamite. We'll be dropping Rewind Away, covering WWF at Madison Square Garden from October 1983, Wednesday evening at PostWrestlingCafe.com. Cafe shows this week as well. MCU later on Thursday. Rewind to SmackDown on Friday. And then this Saturday, we will have a Halloween Havoc post show with Braden Harrington and Andrew Thompson and a UFC 280 post show with myself and Eric Marcotte going live Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Wait, who have you got? Charles Oliveira or Islam Makachev?
0: Um, yeah. Is it too early in the week to ask you a prediction? You know what? No, I, I'm waiting for the weigh-ins. Yeah, ask me later. Because Charles
1: Oliveira missed weight in his last fight, so that's a very smart mm-hmm. uh, prognostication you have ahead of time. Definitely. Okay, that is it. Thank you for tuning in, and that concludes Rewind to Dynamite.